0: Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, wggt Philadelphia, and online at gtownradio.com. This is What Do You Know About That? A radio show about anything and everything happening in our community, our city, and our world. Here are your hosts, Eric Gershnow and Mary Angela Saavedra.
1: Happy New Year! Happy New Year, listeners! Happy New Year, Eric!
2: Happy New Year, everybody! It's
1: a new year! New year, new us! Not really. It's the same us.
2: It's the same us, just (laughs) there's just a different number.
1: Right. It is 2023. Holy cow. I can't even believe it.
2: Yep, 2023. And we're back in the saddle to deliver another stellar episode of What Do You Know About That to our listeners today.
1: Thanks for tuning in. So with the new year and the new us, sort of, we have a new segment, right? We're we're, we're retiring. We retired this day in science, right? That year has passed. We no longer have a calendar with this day in science. So what's our new segment?
2: Well, before I get into that, I wanted to first ask you, how was your holiday since we just got back?
1: Yeah. It was great. It was restful. I didn't work for two weeks. That was lovely, um, but then you know I came back to a whole lot of work.
2: <laughs> as as you do.
1: Yeah. How was your break?
2: Yeah, it was good. It's weird because when I am off too long, staycation action going on. Right, we did a little bit of travel, but mostly stayed at home, which was great. Got to travel around the neighborhood a little bit. We got to hit some really great eats this holiday mm-hmm. season. Like mm-hmm. we went down to Stargazy. Yeah, I recently this week just took the opportunity to head down because you know I like to check out music stores. Never been to DePinto's. That was really really cool. Uh, of course, had to stop by Federal Donuts and pick up uh, a six pack. Like you do. Yeah, like you do. And
1: um, yeah, oh, definitely then, ate good food this break. Definitely. Yeah,
2: yeah, lots of good food, <laughs> for sure. So, But yes, you are correct. We do have a new segment, so rather than This Day in Science, and don't be disappointed, listeners, because it only gives me the opportunity then to use some science-based topic for my main topic (laughs) and not conflict with This Day in Science, but we have a new segment here, and we're going to entitle it Fact or Crap.
1: Fact or Poop.
2: Factor poop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, today, January twelfth. What is our factor poop fact today? Well,
2: and this is a little bit of trivia, right? And hopefully, if you're listening, feel free to. Well, we don't have. You can't. Any direct, we're going to give you can't You can't call answer. us. I'm we're,
1: sorry. We're going to give you the answer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get the answer.
1: Hit me. I'm ready. But
2: but play along if you wish. Before 1910, car keys did not exist. Starting a car relied upon an experienced mechanic or chauffeur to complete the over 10 complicated procedures required. Fact or crap?
1: What was the year again? 1910?
2: 1910. Car keys did not exist.
1: So before 1910, you needed a mechanic or a chauffeur. Well, seeing as before, about that time, it wasn't like commonplace to have a car. The people who had cars were like, Special. They were like rich people, basically, and they would have had chauffeurs and or personal mechanic to maneuver said crazy apparatus. I'm going to say that's fact. I, I think you it's You
2: are indeed correct. It's fact yes. home, James. Yes. All right. Yes, yes I am indeed. right.
1: Does it give us any more about the fact? ding, ding, ding. It, it no, says, you know,
2: yeah, that would fact. have been lovely to follow up on that one. I didn't do any particular research on this, but, you know, given that time period... You know, cars are, you're exactly right. Cars are new technology. They hadn't developed some of the luxury items, like honestly having a key slot to open or close a door. And I'm sure
1: driver's licenses weren't a thing yet, then either, because it's kind of like if you can afford a car, it's basically like a horse and buggy, right? You didn't have to have a license to drive a horse and buggy, did you? No. Anybody no, and,
2: and to that point, too, that's when you, you really didn't even see until later in the 20th century where traffic laws started to emerge because, yeah, even as early as the onset of, of motorized vehicles, you had people that were getting hit. Right, yeah, because of motorized vehicle right. drivers, people
1: just driving wherever they're like, "This is the road. I'm just driving here. Just get out of my way. I'm coming."
2: So, so horrible <laughs> drivers aren't a new development; they've always been around.
1: But I'm glad there are now car keys. Could Could you imagine if you had to have a personal mechanic and or chauffeur to like turn your car on for you? <laughs> but, but think about the
2: job market. <laughs>
1: No, I wouldn't want that job. I would not. I mean, what would you do in the in-between when you no know car keys? That's great. Great. That yeah, job, I, I don't
2: man. know. I really just don't know. But All factor right. crap. Thanks for playing along, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so what's what's uh, on your radar? What's happening in the neighborhood, Mary Angela? I
1: have a couple things I wanted to talk about today. So, you know, New Year. A lot of things going on that are kind of the same and carryovers from the year before. And one of those things that we often talk about here on the show are scams, because you know how I feel about scammers. I think they need to get real jobs, and it makes me very angry when people take advantage of other people. So I always like to point out when um, I get kind of word of a, of a new scam or something that's going on. And right now, the neighborhood groups are, are popping up a lot about Medicare scams, Particularly Uh a scam where um, the scammer will basically buy a call list, so they'll get your number. And I don't know if you know this, but it is possible to mask your number and make it show up as Medicare, right? So a person gets a phone call and their caller ID says Medicare is calling. Well, the truth is Medicare will never call you. Especially
2: not from a 215 number.
1: It's not even a 215 number. It just says, yeah, Medicare. So... Know that. Number one, if your phone blows up and it suddenly says Medicare, that it's not Medicare. It's somebody pretending to be. Mm -hmm. Secondly, they are never going to ask you for personal information over the phone. We've said this before and we did our topic about scams. You know, don't give personal information over the phone. This Mm -hmm. particular scam, the woman who posted about it on Nextdoor said that, you know, her, her radar went off about it, but there was enough that seemed legit that she... It took her a little longer to sort of decide that it was in fact a scam, Mm -hmm. Um, but she really wanted people to know that this is how it went. So the number called, said Medicare. The caller told her that Medicare is issuing new cards. Um, or Medicare Advantage, particularly Medicare Advantage, is is issuing new cards now. This would seem normal for this time of year, mm-hmm. right? Because open enrollment just happened and things changed, and that would be normal. So again, that didn't tip off any flags. He knew it, her name and fed her the letters from her card, so knew some of the card her Medicare card digits, which again. Scammers can buy these lists, right? The dark web exists to get access to this information. Mm-hmm. Um, but wanted her to confirm the numbers. I told him to mail me the request, at which point he said he'd have she'd have to pay $1,000 if they had to do this by mail, or she could save the $1,000 if she did it by phone and confirmed all this information now over the phone. Oh, boy. Which then she immediately knew it was a scam because yeah. she's like, sorry, first of all, there's no way Medicare, Medicare is charging me $1,000 to verify things through mail and send me, you know, a new card through the mail. Secondly, um, yeah, the fact that he's basically, as as we mentioned in that episode where we talked about scams, trying to scare her, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't do this now, then you're going to have to pay all this extra money. Like, and just it's, do it it's this urgent. way. Right. It's always we, urgent. We must do it this way. Yep. So she hung up, at which point he started calling back from different numbers All saying Medicare. So, you know, again, he had other sort of um, coded numbers, basically cloned numbers. So and it was a total of 12 calls that she got. She never answered the other ones, she said. But, you know, they all kept showing up saying Medicare, but had a different number associated with it. So. Just be aware, everybody. I mean, it stinks, and that's going for a very specific demographic of people who are on Medicare. So, um, if you know people, if you have friends that are on Medicare, if you have family, like just mm. let them know. This is the time of year that kind of junk is happening, and it's awful. And I'm sorry that it does happen, but that's what we're here for is to let you know about it. So, there's that for um, sure.
2: Public service announcement, you know, thank exactly.
1: You. There were about 65 comments on this thread, a lot of people saying, You know, the same thing. Absolutely never give your information out. But a lot of people saying I'm not surprised. This doesn't surprise me. This, you know, there's all kinds of ways to do this. So that's a bummer. Um, The other thing I wanted to talk about is deliveries. So um, there was a person who posted, this is what got me thinking about it. A person posted again on Nextdoor said um, that FedEx delivered, she saw the FedEx truck outside her house, FedEx delivered a package in between her house and her neighbor's house. Mm -hmm. So she came out and looked at it, he hadn't rung the doorbell, the only reason why she saw the package was because she saw the truck, so she shouts at him, and she's like, who is this package for? Is it for me? Is it for the neighbor? You literally stuck it in between both of our houses. Who is it? Right. And he says, oh, it's for this house number. She shouts out the house number, and it's not her, it's her neighbor. And she says, did you ring the doorbell? And he says, no, I don't have to. I just have to take a picture of it, you know, so that you can send the notification and say it was delivered. Yeah. And she's like, but the doorbell is right here. So she, of course, gets comes out of her house, goes next door, rings the doorbell, walks back to her house. And she was like, it just really frustrates me. Like, why would he stop and take a picture and not ring the doorbell? And as you know, because we get a lot of deliveries here, well, well it's
2: like I, I'm like you're bringing this up for a reason. I know. I mean, it, be, I am because we've experienced. We have experienced
1: that it, right? We've experienced packages it. sit
2: out on the front stoop and then get it rains soaked in the rain. rain yeah.
1: Sit out there for hours, you know packages are at risk of being stolen, especially if they sit them right on the stair. So in some cases, the package will be left on the step right under the sign that says, please ring the doorbell. And we're in the house. If they had rung the doorbell, we absolutely would have come and got the package. But they're like, "Nope, just going to leave this here right in plain sight and walk away. And it's like, okay. sometimes they do set them down under the mailbox, which does hide it from the street. And I am always appreciative when that happens. And when I get a picture from Amazon saying, hey, this was delivered. Here's your picture and I see that it's under the mailbox I'm like oh good at least it's not visible from Mm -hmm. the street but then you know I text you who I know works from home and I go hey did you hear the doorbell Amazon says they delivered and you're like okay no I'll go get it Um, there's that there's also it's not just delivery services with packages right so over New Year's we ordered um, cookies, right? We ordered nice, hot piping, hot, delicious cookies for our New Year's Eve party that were delivered in the pouring rain. Those of you who remember New Year's Eve was like the worst miserable weather day of the whole wide world. It was awful raining all day long. And they never rang the doorbell. They set a box of hot cookies on our porch in the pouring rain, and by the time we got to them, the box was soaked, well, I, I as recall were the this cookies. because
2: you tried to revive, like, three of those cookies. I did. I you, tried you to You put them on a pan and stuck them in the oven. The oven. <laughs> yeah,
1: <Thank you. laughs> it was gross.
2: Yeah, they, they got a little disintegrated. It was awful. So, what is the moral of the tale?
1: <sighs> the moral of the tale is something's got to be done, y'all. Something has got to be done.
2: Ring the doorbell?
1: No, put it in the notes. So, I found out by doing research that the only way... To get the doorbell right, rung. But there you go. Is to conclude it in delivery notes. <clears throat> it's not common practice. It should be common practice, but it's not. So if you have concerns that you're not going to be home or you're not going to hear that it's delivered or it's warm cookies and you want to get them before they're wet and soggy and a mess. Put a comment in the delivery notification. In the delivery, yep. yes. Delivery notes section put very explicitly in all capital letters, ring the doorbell when you deliver. And then they will. I mean,
2: uh, too bad you can't capture that tone in your notes.
1: <laughs> that's what capital letters are for.
2: Please <laughs> that, ring the That's why
1: gold. you use capital letters.
2: But oh no, oh, no. But then, then you're at risk of like, I don't know. That's, I know. I that's know. That's danger. I
1: know, I know. Just again, it's no guarantee Someone that by putting in it box. in the delivery notes <laughs> that it's going to happen. But it definitely your chances are better if you do include it in the delivery notes. So yeah, I'm just saying. If anyone who owns a business, runs a business, works for a business that does delivery, please ring the doorbell. Tell your people to ring doorbells. Doorbells exist for a reason. And
2: consumers, make sure you Put take advantage notes, of the notes because. Say
1: ring the doorbell. That's all I have. That, that's all my New Year's ranting okay. from the neighborhood groups.
2: I totally empathize because oftentimes I'm the one bringing in the the <laughs> sopping wet packages. And thankfully, most people wrap things sturdy but yeah i see your point
1: 97 other people on this post had similar stories like when the woman who posted it like ni- there's 97 comments as of right now with people sharing their own stories of yeah well, i told you no, my absolutely. idea
2: i want to build like some big box the problem is is you got to figure out how to create like a, a door lever mechanism so that it allows you to put a box in but not open it to take a box out right so hmm
1: Get things to do
2: <laughs> when I quit my day job.
1: <laughs> yep, there you go. All right. So, what's our main topic today? It's New Year, and you're you're kicking off the New Year with the topic. So, what are we talking about? Yeah. Eric?
2: Well, I, I wanted to talk about again because we're not doing this day in science anymore, and science being my jam, <laughs> I figured that. I touch on something that was announced recently in the news, and it's quite a big deal, not just within the scientific community, but just globally speaking in terms of how we manage energy and thinking about cleaner forms of energy, You know how we manage climate change and all that stuff. Specifically, what I'm referring to was a press release announced on December 13th, this is 2022, so just last month, that research scientists from Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, so this is one of these laboratories that manages part of our nuclear radioactive materials under the Department of Energy. So those nuclear radioactive materials, they're kind of like co-owned, right? So you have the Department of Defense that manages... stockpiles of radioactive elements that are used in weapons but then part of that budget is also shared by the department of energy for the purpose of understanding how we can better utilize these elements you know for purposes of pursuing more like renewable cleaner energy generation anyway so this laboratory located in california they achieved the result where they were able to, in a controlled experiment, generate more energy output than the energy required to initiate what's called a fusion reaction. Specifically, they generated 50% more energy out. That's significant. Hmm. So what is fusion? That's my question to you, what do you know about that?
1: I don't know too much because it's 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 fission that is like nuclear energy, right? Uh, and that's different from fusion. Yes, yes. Correct. So like, correct. like nuclear fission is the process of which we get nuclear energy. Right. So fusion. Yeah, I actually don't know much. It seems pretty oh. science fiction-y to me.
2: What does the word fusion, when you hear fusion... Well,
1: like fusing things together. So I would assume it's like fusing together atoms or particles. You're
2: exactly right. (laughs) It is the fusing of atoms together. It's specifically hydrogen atoms to make helium. So the theory... Let's take a little walk down history lane here. Okay. So if you go back to the early... 20th century this is when you know in the progression of modern science you had a number of huge like math physics wizards scientists that that had emerged during that time like this is the age of einstein i'm talking okay and these guys were studying uh, atomic and subatomic particles how they behave and how they relate to the universe at large And a huge chunk of them were coming out of Germany. And again, these guys are responsible for modern atomic theory. But there was a paper actually written by a English, a British astrophysicist named Arthur Eddington back in 1926. And the article was entitled The Internal Constitution of the Stars. So what makes stars work? His speculation in the paper describes the source of the star's energy from the transformation of hydrogen into helium. This is fusing hydrogen together to make helium. So it's actually this research just collectively among all these guys that led to the foundation, the development of atomic weaponry. And that was hastened by the perceived international threats during World War II. So Einstein, of course, being the brilliant scientist he was, was German. And he's literally writing a letter to Franklin Roosevelt saying, the Nazis are really close. They have the means to generate an atomic bomb. We need to do something about this. So that's when Roosevelt initiated the Manhattan Project. Right. And that's when we started developing atomic bombs. So to start with the fundamentals, fusion or fusion reaction, is the merging of two atomic nuclei. So if you think of like an atom, and maybe this is not the best analogy, but it's like an egg, right? You have the center of the egg, which is the yolk. That's the nucleus of the atom. And then in that nucleus, you have two types of subatomic particles, and then the egg white is sort of this cloud that's comprised of another subatomic particle around the nucleus. So this is going back to Chemistry 101. (laughs) Can you name the three subatomic particles of an atom?
1: No, because I, I never took Chemistry 101. The highest science I ever took was biology.
2: Oh, you probably know some of them if I said them. I
1: mean, it's like I don't know, proton, neutron, electron. You got it. That's it. (laughs) You got them. Oh my gosh.
2: Okay, so fundamental chemistry. (laughs) You have protons, which have a positive charge, and neutrons, which by the name means they're neutral or they have no charge. Those live in the yolk or the nucleus of an atom. The egg white. That's comprised of electrons which exist in a static cloud this is quantum theory here folks this is really deep stuff <laughs> it's like the it exists everywhere and nowhere all at the same time that's how electrons work okay so the again the protons the neutrons they live in the nucleus electrons are orbiting around them and you would think Okay, you've got electrons that are negatively charged, you have protons that are positively charged, what do opposite charges do? Uh, Attract. Opposite charges attract, yet yet they don't. And you have protons that are in the nucleus that they all have a positive charge and they're all crammed together. What do like charges want to do?
1: They want to move away from each other. They want
2: to move away from each other, but there is this magnificent force that keeps everything held together and it is called atomic forces it is one of the fundamental forces next to gravity and electromagnetic forces so this is one of the fundamental forces and as you can imagine if you mess with those forces you have the potential to release a crap ton of energy hmm <laughs> So there's a lot of energy stored in keeping those protons pushed together and keeping those electrons and those protons far apart. So to dig into a little bit about what you mentioned, you said fission. So fission is the opposite of fusion. So if you're smashing atoms together for fusion...
1: You're ripping them apart for fission. Exactly.
2: Fission is ripping them apart. And that's what happens in the atomic bomb. So interestingly... An atomic bomb is comprised of two stages or two reactions that occur. The first one is a fission reaction, and that's from the deterioration of radioactive elements like plutonium. Plutonium does not exist in nature. It is a man-made substance that breaks down very quickly. It releases a lot of energy. That becomes the spark plug to ignite the fusion reaction. That's why they call it an H-bomb. It's the exact thing like the sun does. It's combining hydrogen to make helium. So that fission reaction ignites the fusion reaction and kablooey. There you go, explosion. So the fusion reaction itself, it involves smashing of what are called hydrogen isotopes to create the helium. Do you know what an isotope is?
1: Uh, not really, no.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like, huh, I- isotope. Like, have you ever heard the term isotope before? I mean, yeah, but I couldn't tell you what it means. Like, like what context could you say?
1: I mean, when talking about elements or, or like, things. Or things. Yes. <laughs> like
2: car- carbon dating. Yes, yes. Aha. Okay, so an isotope is synonymous with the number of neutrons that are present in a nucleus. So if you recall, I mentioned the nucleus of an atom contains both protons and neutrons. The number of protons dictate what kind of element it is. If I have one proton, that means I have hydrogen. If I have two, that means I have helium. If we alter the number of neutrons, that is what forms an isotope. So you can have different numbers of neutrons and still have it be the same element. So it's kind of like different shades of the same color. Mm. So you can have different flavors of hydrogen. So what we do here, and this kind of gets into carbon dating, like just for example here, carbon has 12 protons and complementary you have the same number of neutrons. That's just sort of the norm. So 12 protons, 12 neutrons. Carbon's like, I'm happy, I'm cool, I'm chill, just having 12 of each. That's how we'd like it. <laughs> right. But when carbon gets cycled through the food chain and into the atmosphere as carbon dioxide, it gets formed into what's called carbon-14. So it has two extra neutrons. So it has a total of 14 neutrons. So now it's called carbon-14. And then everybody, plants, animals, we're all consuming, we're eating up carbon-14. But carbon-14 eventually breaks down into carbon-12 over a long period of time, like hundreds of thousands of years, right? When you die, your body stops consuming carbon-14. So then I could dig up your body and measure how much carbon-14 to carbon-12 there is, and based on... How long I know it takes for carbon-14 to break down, I can carbon-date you and figure out exactly how old your dead body is.
1: Uh, okay.
2: That's how carbon-14 isotope dating works.
1: Okay. okay, okay.
2: So back to fusion. The way fusion works is we're combining two different isotopes of hydrogen. So the first isotope is called deuterium which means it just has one neutron. So the the happy state of hydrogen, one proton, one neutron. We combine it with what's called tritium, which has one extra neutron. Okay, so I'm I'm going to math you here, so okay. just let's 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 we'll go slow. <laughs> if I take two hydrogen atoms, one proton each, but now I have one that has one neutron. And then the other one has two neutrons, so a total of three neutrons. I combine them together to make helium. Helium wants to be at its happy state. It has two protons complemented by two neutrons. Okay. But we actually have a total of three neutrons. So one of those neutrons gets ejected from the whole equation to balance things out, to make the helium happy. That neutron has a mass to it. When we go back to Einstein's theory of relativity, E equals mc squared, energy equals mass, the weight of something, times the speed of light. Well, the neutron, when it gets ejected, is flying at the speed of light. Its mass gets translated into that net positive energy output. Okay. So by combining those two isotopes, boom. You, gener- you kick out a neutron. That neutron is, is the like energy. energy that you've just created. You've created energy. Okay. It's amazing. So this is exactly what the sun does. The sun is a massive ball of hydrogen, a massive supply of hydrogen that is constantly getting smashed to make helium and give off a ton of energy. So... The idea of having the power of the sun, a power supply where we don't have to burn fuel to generate energy, this discovery is the first time in a controlled way that we've been able to generate a fusion reaction. So again, it's not like it's new. We understand it. The ability to make it has been been around for 60 years, but this is the first time we've created it in a controlled way. Again, the benefit is the addition of the net positive energy output. There's no waste from it other than, I guess, helium.
1: So my question is about safety. Like, how hard is it to do this? Will we have to build these reactors? Because I mean, we've seen how dangerous nuclear reactors can be. And I realize this is a different type of situation. But we're talking about being able to generate energy like the sun. So that seems like it would require a lot of stuff to keep us from like blowing ourselves up so
2: you, you really kind of hit the nail on the head I mean that's where I was going here with this and that is the challenge now to scale it up so this is the first step which is proof of concept okay we can demonstrate in a controlled laboratory setting it is possible that it can be done. we yeah. can make it happen the next piece is going to be and you'll probably see a lot of development within the next 10 to 20 years around building a sustainable fusion reactor that could then, you know, fuel major cities, populations, you know, feed into the grid. So the challenges around the infrastructure and being able to commercialize the technology to build uh, a fusion reaction, and I wouldn't believe it would exist in your homes. It would be like the current setup where we have a power plant, the fusion reactor would exist there, And then it would take that electricity that's generated, that energy coming directly from that fusion reaction to to feed the power grid. Right. right? I mean, as we know, it would be impractical, though it would be very cool if you had lasers in your home, (laughs) but not very practical. Sure. And someone might get hurt, but the idea of having the power of the sun, it's just like if you recall the Spider-Man 2 movie.
1: Spider Man 2. That's the one with Doc Ock, right? That's the
2: one with Dr. Octopus. And he was, that was his whole mode was building a fusion reactor. That's right. That was his whole thing. So, one of the challenges, obviously, is having the right conditions to ignite the fusion reaction. Again, we're talking about multiple lasers that were shot into this little singular point to create a reaction that lasted like a split second, which we were able to measure the energy output. We need to have that continuously running, right? So there's some challenges to that. The other one is how do you manage the existence of it once you've created it, right? If you're talking about something existing like a, a, a big ball of energy like the sun, you're talking red hot plasma that you can't put it, it can't be contained. You can't put it in anything because it's going to totally melt it. Yeah. So the workaround to that. Because it's this hot plasma of hydrogen ions, and because they're ionized, because they have a charge to them, you can create electromagnetic field, like a force field almost, around them to contain it. That then becomes the closure.
1: Hmm. It's
2: not something physical. It's electromagnetic forces.
1: That seems kind of cool.
2: I know, right? I can only imagine the QC of that system. How do you quality control? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of challenges ahead, and uh, it'd be really interesting to see how this technology expands and unfolds. I mean, now with this breakthrough, I'm sure the Department of Energy is going to be funneling a lot of dollars into building out some realistic, practical way. You know, really at this point, it's going to become an engineering feat. To figure out how to scale it so that we can run it.
1: But it's so important because, right, I mean, you've heard a little bit, like, you know, not to get off topic, but basically since we're talking about energy, the, the problem right now is that, you know, with people trying to steer away from gasoline, right, and fossil fuels and things like that, right, it's putting a stress on the electrical grid, right? And so mm-hmm. like in places like California where a lot of people have electric cars, now they're like, uh, "Oops, this is really hurting our grid." And and they're having to, you know, talk to people about energy conservation in order to make So this would this would fix a lot of that. It would give us the ability to be like, "Cool, we can get rid of oil finally." and we can really move to electric if we have a way of powering the grid but that that was the big downsize with being like we're putting a ban on on gasoline vehicles you can't do that <laughs> because well
2: it's a transition like anything yeah. so when you look at the statistics actually last year if you just look at the global statistic in terms of coal consumption it actually went up mm-hmm. so people are talking about renewables but the fact is, is we're still in transition, mm-hmm. and, and until we can make that move, it's not going to be necessarily a singular source, but rather a variety of sources for energy production that we're going to lean on sure. to s- facilitate the transition, because I mean, fracking is still a real thing, yeah, and that has downsides, too. There's a lot of waste generated from fracking, and though radioactive—I mean, we talked about nuclear energy in one episode, but the truth is, is— and this may also be the case with fusion is the perception of it. So right. fusion sounds cool, but you're still talking it's a form of nuclear energy.
1: Right. And you're talking about smashing atoms and you're talking about force fields to keep all that energy in and like yeah.
2: Yeah, like like what, what happens if if say the fusion reaction goes out of control, just like in Spider Man two. Right. You know, and then, and then there's going to be a Doc Ock and then Spider-Man's going to have to come and rescue us. And it's going to be like a whole thing.
1: Uh, It's going to be a whole thing.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But.
1: But I mean, that is cool. It is nice. This is step one in in a, you know, in a process, but I think, I think that's exciting. I mean, I think it's a new, exciting direction.
2: Yeah. So that's all I had to talk about, but I, I thought it was really cool. It's something very relevant, very new in the scientific community, but has implications to everyone across the globe, yeah. and so keep an eye out. You know, it happened in the states, so I guarantee you, the U.S. is going to be the one to to try and spearhead this, and you know, be the first to you know take to market some platform to be able to take that technology to a broader consumption.
1: So, Great, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing, um, listeners. If you have some thoughts about this, or some thoughts about anything we discussed in our neighborhood segment, as far as package delivery and um, things of that people nature. People not ringing doorbells. Um, people not ringing doorbells. Please drop us a line by email at, what do you know G-town at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at What Do You Know About That? We would love to hear from you and hear your thoughts on these topics.
2: Excellent. And please stick around. We have a really fun uh, musical guest to join us today for our segment. Who are the musicians in your neighborhood? So don't go anywhere.
0: Listening to ninety two point nine FM G Town Radio.
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to What Do You Know About That? Now it's time for our favorite segment of the program: Who are the musicians in your neighborhood? And today we're joined by none other than Turtle Ridge. Welcome, gentlemen.
0: Hello. Hi. Thanks right. for having us. Hi. A pleasure. Yeah, thanks very
2: much. Thank you. So, because we got a full house here today. Let's go down the line here and have everyone introduce themselves here.
3: Sure, I'm Colin. I'm a lead
4: vocals in the band. I'm Nolan, I play bass and uh, sing some harmonies. My name's
5: Doug, and I play the banjo. And uh, my name's Dave. I play guitar and also sing. Sweet,
2: and just for our listeners out there, we're in for a special treat because you guys are going to be giving us a live in studio performance today
3: absolutely yeah
2: you guys have lugged your instruments up three stories to our studio just to do that It's so a herculean effort uh, yeah. i think we deserve credit for it i you totally <laughs> do oh, yeah. i needed to get some steps in
3: today anyway so. yeah, we're, we're really <laughs> excited
2: to be here it's cool nice well th- thank you guys for joining us today so tell us a little bit about yourselves maybe dig a little into individual histories and then you know segue into how you guys ended up connecting with each other and forming the this production
3: Sure. Uh, So, uh, me and Dave actually met playing Dungeons and Dragons. Just we had friends of friends, sort of a situation. And then uh, the pandemic happened. We were all locked away, and Uh, uh, me and Dave got in touch because he moved into uh, into Roxborough.
5: Yeah, I moved from Port Richmond to Roxborough, and I was in a deep, dark depression hole, (laughs) and I needed to like do something. And like, we were we were both essential workers. Yeah. So like, you were willing to hang out with me?
3: Yeah, we kind of became each other's bubble. Yeah. yeah, like we we would hang out with each other, and then we just we both appreciated our mu- e- mutual musical talents, and uh, we started a duo. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it just kind of happened really fast. We were just playing together. We started writing some songs, named it Turtle Ridge, going to some open mics, and then we got really lucky and found two people who wanted to play with us.
5: Yeah, through the Grape Room open mic. Yeah, the Grape Room open mic. Uh, we, we played probably almost every week for a good uh, calendar year. Yeah, at, on like the Thursday open mic. Um, some really good musicians, honestly, come through that. That bar. Like, yeah. There's a, a really, like, vibrant scene there. So
3: We got very lucky because at, at that point, like, things were loosening up, but there wasn't a lot of people doing live music. Mm-hmm. But the Grape Room kept doing it. They were doing it through the windows for a while. People would sit outside and watch. Oh, wow. And then they just kind of bit the bullet and came back inside. And they were one of the, in our area anyway, one of the only places you could really go and play on a yeah. weekly basis. So, like, we decided it was a good place to cut our teeth. We stuck oh, that's, around. That's excellent.
5: There's a lot of people with, like, similar motivations, too. Like, people that were, you could tell they were, like, cooped up. And they had something to say. And um, it was everyone's outlet. That's why I think it was, like, it was such a good scene. It's like everyone was so excited to get back on stage again. And uh, that's how we met. Uh, yeah. Doug the, and but... Nolan, do
3: you maybe want to talk us through where your heads were at in joining Turtle Ridge? Sure.
4: Um, well, kind of a similar thing. I went to school in New York. Um, studied music and the pandemic. Brought me home. And I was just trying to get myself into the Philly scene a little bit. I have my own project that I'm not going to pipe here. That um, <laughs> I started going to the Great Room to promote. Um, but going there to play my original music, I started seeing Turtle Ridge, the original iteration, Colin and Dave doing their thing. And, uh, I just approached them one night and I was like, you guys are a folk group. It looks like you guys use an upright bass. Tell me I'm wrong. And, uh, (laughs) they didn't tell me I was wrong. And we started playing together a few weeks later and I don't know, there was chemistry like
3: pretty instantly. We were just like having fun, having a really good time together and, uh. The funny thing is no one was just singing and playing upright bass, which nobody really does yeah. or did around where we were. Unaccompanied. Yeah, and a bunch of people were like, you should ask him to be in your band. Yeah. And we were, I was like, I don't know, that dude's real good. And then he walked up and he was like, can I be in your band? And we were like,
5: we got the
2: vapors. Like, that kind of plays into vocal harmonies as part of the project, which is, I think, kind of unique.
3: Yeah, so when we I don't I only sing I'm a just a vocalist and I can't play another instrument and, and Dave's a guitar player so like no. we were trying to fill out our sound and we realized he's got a kind of a naturally deep voice and I have a higher tenor and they mm. mixed mixed well so we kind of needed to fill our sound out so we decided to focus really heavily on harmonies and then by, when they joined it just like you know, if you can do it with two people you can do it with four people you know so we just yeah. expanded those harmonies and it ended up becoming like a cool sound that I, we weren't really looking for just kind of yeah. stumbled right into it
5: honestly like bass really filled us out and then like so doug is like an open mic legend and like manny on uh shoeless doug myers and um we saw him early on
3: yeah within our first month or two of being a band we we saw him i was play. like blown
5: away because like D- doug plays like uh like old jazz standards and like just like shreds on like acoustic guitar and vocals and like i remember we saw you play and i was like that guy's amazing and like you gave me your number you had a flip phone at the time and um <laughs> I was, like, super excited about, like, the fact that you were, like, open to playing music. And then, like, later on, you were, like, looking for project. Kill like, come on, play banjo in your band. I'm like, oh, yeah. Play anything in our band. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, he was kind of a folk here at us. He's in my phone
3: as Shoeless Doug, because we didn't know what his last name was. <laughs> was you really. a serious figure, <laughs> man. You just show up. It <laughs> actually is Shoeless. <laughs> nice.
0: I actually had never played banjo before I uh, started playing with them. Uh, my grandfather had one laying around the house, and I was always looking for an excuse to... To, you know, start playing. And as soon as I saw you guys, the three of you, I was like, I need to learn banjo. I need to join this band. So I uh, recorded myself playing one of their songs, sent it to them, kind of a, hey, audition kind of thing. Yeah, we're
5: <laughs> super grateful for the banjo and the songwriting, man. Yeah, the song that we're going to play today is written by Doug. He, like, brought to the group. He's like, hey, like, if you guys like this song, we can play it. And we're like, that's our favorite song.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're 100% going to play it. Sweet. It sounds like a bromance for sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I dream about it sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's beautiful when it happens, man. That's great. So, okay. Guitar, banjo, upright bass, and vocals. Vocals. There we go. Sweet. So, birth from the pandemic, it sounds like. And then you guys have been actively playing and booking gigs beyond just doing the open mic at the grape room.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The show started to take off more once we were a foursome. And once we found out we were playing Folk Fest, honestly, yeah,
3: we started playing a few shows together. We like we would play the Grape Room and the Sound Bank in Phoenixville, run by um, uh, Chris Bailey, who, weirdly enough, was uh, my first manager at my first job ever, just mm-hmm. by coincidence. Uh, uh, gave us a shot. He heard our EP, and he was like, "I can get behind this," and gave us a show. And then, like, yeah, once we got all four of us, we we started to expand. We play. Yeah. We played 118 North and in uh, Wayne, you know, the Rusty Nail, Rusty Nail. Uh, which is always an experience. Yeah. Uh, Chris, Thank you, the Rusty, the Nail Rusty Nail, for all the opportunities you've given yeah them. man that's not, <laughs> rusty nails is like a legendary <laughs> like
5: like i grew up in delaware county and like the rusty nail was like where people's metal bands played you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like high school kids would like get a chance to play at the rusty nail and like they're a really cool stage it's like, yeah oh
3: to the rusty nails credit we are not typically what plays there and that crowd has always been yeah, yeah. supportive they're of really us yeah. oh,
5: that's great yeah
3: and also then we uh we set a one-year goal for our stuff as a band to get into Folkfest, which in retrospect is just like was so unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. But like we did it. Like we pulled it off. We ended up getting invited to do uh the Philadelphia Folk Fest. Um, Martin Stage yeah, melee. Martin Stage melee. Yeah, like battle of the bands to play the, yeah. the headliner. And we didn't win. We won the first round and then we ended up not winning the second round. But once you like went around or something along those lines, they just invite you to come be a part of Folk Fest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we got to play door. it this year. So yeah, we we set a one year goal for ourselves that and we just we did it. Yeah, so. we played it
5: we played a little side stage and like had a bunch of strangers watch us and like a the heat of July, which was yeah. <laughs> fun, uh, or was it August? Right, it was August. It was August. Yeah.
3: Mm. It was a cool experience because uh, we had mentioned to you before we started talking uh, uh, that, um, like, we we play a lot of bars that don't really fit our type of music. A lot of like rock and roll bars and things. And I feel like that, like, once we got into the Martin Stage Melee and we met the Philadelphia Folk Song Society and we played the Folk Fest, we were like surrounded by people who actually were invested and appreciative of yeah. the type of music we were trying to make. And yeah. like that was probably the first time. In the time we were a band, where we felt like we were actually surrounded by the people who were trying to consume what we were trying to do. Yeah. and that was a very, There's a very reinvigorating a... sensation as a band. Yeah, it's you like know? a feedback loop, right? Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. There was
5: a phase at the beginning where it was like harrowing because was just it was just Colin and I, and like I had been a bass player in a band, but like was not a front man, and like Colin was like a singer, but like not a karaoke king. If yeah, you will. like a karaoke king. <laughs> <his slave laughs> yeah, karaoke. but
3: never really in a band
5: but so like we were going like we the first few shows that we booked like over that first like six or seven months like we were really nervous because because it's like we're opening for like bands with drum sets and then we're like playing like cool rock and roll songs and we're like we're gonna sing some sad stuff like like, this song's about being alone and, uh, and i sound like johnny cash in it like and uh yeah so like it was it was definitely like climbing up i feel like the, and then we got to like that like nice plateau area once we became a foursome
3: yeah now we're just like what i feel like we finally are making the sound we kind of had set out to make yeah. it's just hard to do with two people any anybody in a duo all the props in the world to you because that yeah. is a hard thing to maintain for a long period mm-hmm. of time
2: yeah so it's funny because some people may say the opposite depending on i guess
5: who's in the band. <laughs> i guess yeah, we true. looked out like yeah. everyone you guys are so cool yeah
3: it's very cohesive and like we had been looking for other people for a while and like i I, we were never like rude or mean but we had a very specific idea of what we were looking for so maybe some people like played with us that like didn't make it into the band and like but we waited and they joined the band and it's like we don't ever have to like drag anybody to practice it was not not like like an
5: audition process but it was totally like you know you gotta feel the vibe and like we knew we got like a lot of I think, catharsis from, like, the music we were making and, like, the process of, like, going on stage. Mm-hmm. And, like, it felt really good. And, like, we wanted it to be easy every time to, like, to write the songs, to, like, go on stage, to, like, feel comfortable with stuff. So, like, there really was a fit thing. You know what I mean? Like, we were Cinderella. yeah it's, with, like, it's, like, it's a magic, no doubt.
2: Yeah. So you, you mentioned an EP. So
5: do you guys actually have... You got re- material recorded already.
3: Yeah, we have uh, we have an EP with, with the two of us, me and Dave, uh, called All the Way Down.
5: That's on, Spotify. on on Spotify and every streaming service, I believe. Like, you can get it on Apple Music. and like. Okay, that. and that's We'd, under Turtle Ridge. That's under Turtle yeah, Ridge. Okay. Yeah, if you look up Turtle Ridge, uh, you'll be able to stream us on, I think, all platforms. But we have one track out on Bandcamp, and that's the track that we're going to play tonight. And yeah. that's with all four of us. Yes.
2: Okay. So, nothing yet that's comprised of the the current iteration of the project that's been like recorded. just that one track on band just
3: yeah. that one band okay. yeah, yeah. Track, yeah we do uh, we, we currently have uh studio space scheduled to record an album with all four of us yes yeah. nice. I we don't have a date for it and it would be dumb for me to, to even get close but we'd like to have it out by the spring or summer so if you're yeah. interested in anything you hear or tonight, summer yeah, like, yeah or summer, summer somewhere like within summer goes the coming
5: late. months it's a, it's a long season so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, but
3: we, uh, we are actively trying to get something out with all four of us and we'll be doing so soon which we're excited nice. about in the Very meantime
0: cool. you're just gonna have to come see us live i know all right well
2: so tell us a little bit then about the song that our listeners are going to hear from you guys today yeah Doug,
3: Doug. <laughs> i'll play yeah. Doug, Doug
2: on, on the, the spot right. okay
0: um yeah i, I just kind of was so excited about being in this group uh and i i'd never written a song for the banjo so i decided to go reach back in the classic american folk music catalog and pull out a good old-fashioned murder ballad um about some unrequited love and the consequences of such and Yeah, it's it was my, just a kind of favorite
2: subject. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh so it started out as just kinda like a slow ballad kind of thing and I, I brought it to the guys and they were just like, Let's do it up tempo. Let's add harmonies. Yeah. Let's make this exciting. <laughs> yeah. And now it's just a it's a whole mess of fun to play. It's a it's a root and tootin' time. Awesome. We like to. We do. We rude, rude too. I, I, like to yeah. <laughs> okay. I like to say that we're like a folk band
4: with a punk energy. Not a folk punk band. Not like, cause, you know, folk punk is its whole thing. We're definitely a folk band through and through, but we hit with a lot of energy and excitement. And, uh, yeah, so picking up the pace and adding yeah. harmonies was a natural way to Turtle Ridge. But, but
2: honestly, you know, like having seen bluegrass bands, that's, that's how bluegrass bands are, that like high energy, killer vocal harmonies and instrumentally, yeah. So when I saw you guys, I was like,
5: whoa. That's, a, that's an honor. Thank you very much. Yeah,
2: totally. It was like a punch in the face. It was like, whoa, got my attention. Because I originally came out to see our buddy Steve just because I know him from like years ago
5: and then ran into it. We love Steve. It. Steve's yeah.
3: my next door neighbor. Literally. Just, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I
5: found out about you yeah. guys. That's how I, I came hung out with you know. Steve like two seconds before coming in. We were all talking. <laughs> to him, like... Okay. So
2: the name of the tune again is next of kin. Next of kin. All right. We're going to take a pause here. And then these guys are going to set up in live in studio performance.
6: I'm She doesn't love me now, I guess she never will. Notify my next skin and lay my casket down. When I come back tomorrow, you can't put me in the ground. Yonder did they wander to a cabin by the lake. And yonder I did follow my love, I won't forsake. While they were both sleeping, I boarded up their door, lit a little box of tinder. Would not be. I fled up to the mountains and whipped up my spear. If copper were silver, if water were wine If it never met her, then she would still be mine Smoke in the valley, rising to the hill and If she doesn't love me now, I guess she never will I Notify my next skin and I lay my casket down When I come back tomorrow, you can put me Smoke in the valley, rising to the hill. If she doesn't love me now, I guess she never will. Notify my next again and lay my casket down. When I come back tomorrow, you can put me in the ground. When I come back tomorrow, you can put me in the ground. When I come back tomorrow, you can put me in the ground.
2: All right, yeah, that was killer, y'all. And you know, like what you were talking about, the dark side of it, lyrically speaking, but then it just seems that's that's so typical, though, of old American music. Even like finger picking Mississippi style blues, like when you really pay attention to the lyrics, sometimes you're like, ooh, that's dark. But the music is just is, is what kind of pulls you in for sure. And that energy is is very present. So that was a killer tune. Sad Love stories it. to have the music. Yeah, it's the, it's
3: the music of the working class people, you know? Yeah. Who have got a lot to be sad about and a banjo. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it's funny because. I feel like as we've gone on, our music sounds a little happier, but if you read into what any of the music is about, it has only gotten darker. (laughs) (laughs) Like one of our happiest sounding songs is called Life Is My Lucy, which is literally just like a Charlie Brown metaphor, but it's still, I'm talking about how hard and sad life is. Every time I think everything's good, it's bad. And it's just (laughs) like, like even our happiest song is still us just whining, but that's folk music.
2: (laughs) When I saw you guys at Dawson's recently,
5: the whole crowd was charged for sure. Yeah, that we have I mean, a lot of good friends in the area. Yeah, like, that was honestly one of the best shows we've played, probably. We've if got
0: some some foot stompers out there. Yeah, right?
5: for sure. Mm-hmm. But, I think, like, that's what we've been looking
0: what for. We were so,
4: talking about? The floor was ready to yeah, bust open that. at You're Dawson's. Not, not yeah, you were stomping you. on the ground. That was a
3: great show. It <laughs> was a great show. <laughs> it was a really good show. Yeah, but the really hoot and hollers are, like, the biggest payoff ever. Oh, we yeah. literally, in our first EP, we have, that song, Life Is My Lucy, we have us recorded hooting and hollering for ourselves because we wanted people <laughs> to hoot and holler at the music so bad. And now they've started doing it. And There's it's, also like, it's the, great. With,
5: with just the duo, the guitar solo is so empty. So yeah. they're just like, we need to hoot. Some over some this. hand is clapping.
2: A, yeah. Okay, you guys have played the Dawson. What's next?
5: Actually, actually, our next show is, is that that Dawson. Dawson? <laughs> we're, we're playing there on a January twentieth. Okay. Um, Sweet. And uh, pretty soon, with um, our friends at Sound Splitter Studios, yeah, yeah, we're going to be recording um, what will hopefully be a full length album. Yeah. Uh, going over some of the older tracks that we already did with just Colin and I with the four of us. And also some new songs coming out. So cool. Yeah. We also
3: do have, we are playing the Grape Room on St. Patrick's Day uh, this year, which will be almost. Uh, all old Irish pub songs and folk songs that we're learning for St. Patrick's Day. And that's kind of an undertaking we've put upon ourselves to pull off somehow. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So we're going to do that. And then we've got plans to set up more shows for the year. And also, we really want to attack the festival circuit this year a little more than we did last year. So hope you know, keep you your know, eye on Turtle Ridge. A branch and a tree and a tree mm-hmm. a hole. <laughs> yeah.
2: So then where can folks find you in the digital realm?
3: uh we are at turtle ridge music on instagram and facebook and uh and i think we have a tiktok technically too but we don't really use it and then our band camp is turtle ridge dot, dot, band band camp. Camp. dot
6: com. Yeah. yeah
3: and uh, you can check out our music on any of those platforms uh instagram is probably the best place to uh check us out it's the one we're most active yeah on if you, if you want
5: to see where we're playing and when we're playing we always like put that under our bio um like our upcoming gigs and um yeah the Duo album is on Spotify, and anywhere you stream music, you can mm. find it all the way down. Very cool. All right, well, gentlemen, thank you so
2: much for coming in today, spending time with us, and letting our audience get to know you guys a little bit better. Well, thank and you. Uh, Absolutely. Well, thanks, thanks for you. having us.
1: Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been a great episode. We've had such such a wonderful in-studio guest. That was nice, having a live performance in the studio. No doubt.
2: It's a rare pleasure.
1: Yeah. We don't get to do that very often, so I'm super glad that happened. Thank you all so much. We hope you have a wonderful new year. We'll be back in two weeks with some more excellent topics. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend, everyone.